You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 22nd of February. Last week was the DICE um, Awards from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. And we're going to get into that in a moment and talk about that. However, before we do, did you boys play The Division at all? Because there was the beta weekend going on for both consoles as well as PC. I watched other people play. Okay. Vince, did you watch anybody play it even? After what I saw, the demos, I was not impressed enough and, you know, the world needed saving. This is true. We'll get to your (laughs) XCOM 2 later on. I actually installed it on both the Xbox One as well as on the PC, or or I should say the PS4, just so that I could get a handle on which one I felt kind of handled better. A lot of it comes down to which controller you prefer as well kind of thing. And I, um, I played actually quite a bit. Because as I told Joe, it was a rough weekend clearing snow, so my knees were shot, so I did a lot of sitting and a lot of playing. And, like, this is a game that has a lot of potential in different ways. There's a lot of really cool things about it, but then there's also some things that kind of... I don't want to necessarily say they turn me off of the game, but rather that they just don't have me excited enough about it to want to drop 75 bucks on it kind of deal like there's a lot of cool aspects to it such as blending an rpg with a a, with certain mmo aspects with the shooter which we've seen in destiny we've loved in destiny so if this has those kind of elements and does a good job of it then it might be a lot of fun so i played it like i said quite a bit Although I split my time between the consoles, actually I spent more time on the PS4 because I actually did prefer it on the PS4. And part of that is the controller as well, but it was also just I, I kind of preferred it, the, the handling and whatnot. And I, I did a number of quests. Most of the time, and I don't know if it was because of the times that I played, the zones that I stayed in, or or any other number of things, I was alone most of the time. Like I, I saw some people that would run past and they were doing their own thing and I grouped up a couple of times, but as is the case often, grouping up with random people isn't always the most fun and they'll drop you right at the last fucking wave of guys that are coming through the, the elevator and it's like, oh, so-and-so has left and you're going, you fucking prick. <laughs> and so there was some of that going on, but I can appreciate how if you are kind of hanging out with friends and playing with friends, as a lot of people have done with Destiny, it could actually be a ton of fun. Like the three of us grouped together on whichever console we'd play kind of thing and with voice chat and actually trying to play to have fun and to maybe win, (laughs) we could justifiably have a lot of fun because A, the game is gorgeous 
facial yeah. skins notwithstanding all the time because they're kind of not always the best for everybody. And I saw that on both the one as well as on the PS4. And not everybody looks the best. But in typical fashion, the city looks amazing. And then you have that. The scope of the city is batshit crazy. Like, it's fucking massive. And then as I'm going along, you just kind of turn down. And that's the other thing, too. Like, I did some of the questing. But then... The map is fairly intuitive, and it'll tell you there's an event here, there's an encounter here, there, whatever, and then you could just click on it, and it'll map you where to go. And then there's a, an overhead kind of um, display setting that they've got, which I think would be better on the ground where we're used to seeing it, but they do it overhead kind of thing, which, whatever, you get used to it. But it makes it a lot easier to get to various encounters and just kind of wander around. And so you go down these alleys, and... Again, I've never been to New York, so I don't know just how accurate it is to the city, obviously. But in terms of just a, a very densely populated urban set, well, not densely populated anymore, but I one was, <laughs> um, you've got like just this wealth of lore that's built in because it's a post-apocalyptic kind of setting. And so you've got tons of bags of garbage. You've got areas cordoned off that are... Um, the virus is still kind of in effect there. You've got, and, and you can walk into a crap load of buildings as well, which I was not expecting. I was thinking it'd be pretty closed off and it'd be the city, but you're not going into a different bunch of buildings. Now, I don't know how many buildings were open. I just know that I actually went into quite a few of them. And so you'll go up a few levels and you can't get into all the doors, obviously, but some of them will be open and then you go in and there's a bunch of crap that you can take backpack, ammo, cell phones, whatever kind of thing. So there's a lot going on there. And then there's the obvious, you know, people that you go out and hunt or whatever. And it was really kind of cool in that regard. There's like one of the, the places you, you got to kind of set up your little base, which isn't hard to do uh, in terms of just kind of like killing the guys that are trying to take it over. And then you have this home base that you are working towards unlocking different things. So that kind of is, is, is awesome. It gives you something to work towards the various tiers of your tech unit, your med unit and, and things like that. So it gives you those, those challenges to keep working on solo or as part of a group. So again, that works, works very well. So I had to go rescue a doctor and a bunch of medical staff. So you go into the hospital Fucking hospital is fairly big. Again, for in terms of an encounter zone of where you're going to go for a mission, that hospital zone was huge. You know, it was fairly big. And once you have a a gun that you like as well, which is the same in any fucking shooter, and and especially for me, I, I got a scope on mine, and that made a world of difference. Now all of a sudden, it's a lot easier, a lot better, and I enjoyed it more because that's the type of gameplay I like. And so once you start having all that, then you're like one around and you're really enjoying all of these various encounters that much more. I didn't find the gameplay as tight as destiny, but that bar is so insanely high that if you even come remotely close to it, I'm going to give you a win on that, that you get a pass as long as you're reasonably close. Because again, destiny is, is ridiculously good in how it handles the gameplay for a shooter. 
So this is not that good, but it's, it, it is damn good. It handled well. Like Tristan and I played it quite a bit and, and he was saying the same thing too. Like once you get used to it, the handling is really good. And then you have the RPG elements of, you know, the gear you can put on the different, um, stats, skills that you can equip on your, on your bumpers, which I like how they did that as well and things like that. So there's a whole bunch of different things that are again, very well done. Not good enough that I'm going to drop 75 bucks on it by any stretch. But once it goes on sale later, if it's a good sale, I'm definitely going to pick it up. Again, there were things that I did not like. Uh, in typical fashion, they pulled off like a Rob Leefield when he discovered lens flares. And then it was lens flares everywhere. Here yeah. they discovered holographic kind of overlay. <laughs> Done sparingly. Awesome effect. It is. It's a very cool effect that is fun and it's like futuristic and it's cool. When you walk into your base of operations, your senses are overloaded with all of these overlays. These holographic overlays are everywhere, which then creates that, that mind fucked of those mind puzzles when you're looking and you're trying to see what's behind it, what's there kind of thing, because you've got too many things that are overlaid all over the place over what's actually there. And and I found it really, really kind of distracting and you're no longer paying attention to what's there. Like I'm running around looking for something and it says it right fucking there. It's just that my brain has tuned out so many of these overlays because there was too many of them. But again, in terms of scope, uh, not just the city and not just the the buildings that you can go into. That's a fucking sewer system. Mm-hmm. It was like there was a hole and I went, I can go down there. What the fuck? So I go down. I could have gotten lost in those sewers because you're going and you can go even lower into the sewers and all kinds of places. And I'm going, holy shit. So in terms of just accomplishing that sheer, the gravity of the, 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 the city being taken over kind of thing and and having gone through this, they did a damn, damn good job. It was awesome. And they stayed very accurate to the locations that they've presented in the game so far. Like if you do, there's um, been a few videos of people that have done side-by-side shots of the in-game locations oh, yeah? to the actual, uh, actual ones. I believe GameSpot did one uh, in August, I want to say. It was a long time ago, um, but they did a side by side with a lot of these shots of what was available, um, and they stayed very accurate uh, to scope uh, or scale of the buildings. Um, not everything is identical because New York gets really weird about that. Um, there's no actual like laws like in other countries where you can't depict certain things yet, but they get really weird if you to pick New York city perfectly. So they kind of distorted things just a little bit. Like a building might have 10 columns instead of 20 columns. Um, but even the subway system, the sewer system, everything is, is they did as much as they could uh, specifically off of like city, like publicly available city plans and stuff like that. Um, they did a fantastic job of that. And I give them a lot of credit on that visually as well. Uh, it was a very interesting game to watch, but I couldn't get over the fucking HUD. Yep. Oh my God. I'm sorry, but there are ways that you can put an ammo counter that's not in the middle of the fucking screen. Put it on a goddamn gun. Other games have done that just fine. Hell, Doom did it. It's, I don't know, there, there's there's not enough here as far as gameplay-wise that really is drawing me in to feel like I have to purchase it yet. 
like this would be a social game only, like you said, for me at least. Um, it would be something like if you guys picked it up, I'd probably pick it up on the same platform that you guys are playing it on to play with you. But if I wasn't playing with you, I probably wouldn't touch the game. See, I Just, would actually enjoy I would enjoy playing with you guys, but I it is the type of game because of because of the setting, because of that lone wanderer mentality that Fallout does so well and 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 we've seen a lot of people like that kind of gameplay as well, that I would enjoy doing it solo and seeing how much you can do solo in terms of building up your base and different things like that, which I'm certain would get old at some point, yeah. but I'd probably get, I I would probably get a good 50 hours, just a fun, even if it's just wandering around doing random things as they come up without ever touching the actual multiplayer PVP stuff. I would probably See, have a lot of fun with it. And, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know if there's going to be enough there in a single player to really invest that much time in there. Yeah. And the multiplayer, I don't know if, like, there's an interesting mechanic about calling for the evac and stuff like that. I don't know if you mm-hmm. got a chance to see that at all. Yeah. Um, and I actually, the problem that I have is while it's an interesting mechanic, it doesn't incentivize teamwork at the end. Because if you're in, a, like, a random match and you're just being matched up with team members, like, if I'm in Destiny and I go in and I'm matched up with random people, we have the same goal. We have the same common thing. Um, I'm not going to get a better reward than anybody else. It's completely random, more or less. Um, in here, if you are the person that has like the payload or whatever it is, you get more loot. You get better loot. Like there is an incentive to be that person that has the egg when it gets when you get on the chopper or whatever the case is. And I watched my friend Mike um, get destroyed every single fucking time he had it by the randos he was playing with because they wanted the goddamn loot right at the end. And and people are going to be like, oh, well, that's realistic. Not really. If you're in a survival environment, you're going to be working together to better everybody. So I don't I don't like that mechanic as much. Like oh, it's a I cool it. idea, but, but Walking Dead is gonna... anything. It's that it's a fucking free for all once the apocalypse yeah. happens. <laughs> but I don't I, I also don't buy that entirely either. But it, it, that's just no, me neither personally. do I. I think it, I, I, I can't stand it. And it's just, well, when one of the most popular pieces of uh, pop media does it, everybody should do it. That that it becomes the perception that that's yeah. how it should be. And that bothers me. And, that, and I have a big problem with that because I like PvP. I like going into Crucibles and, and stuff like that in, in Destiny. I like playing PvP matches. Hell, Medal of Honor, I played the hell out of it back in the day specifically for PvP. Like, the single-player campaign was great, but the PvP was awesome. I'm looking forward to Doom, not just for the, the amazing content it's going to do, but there's going to be fucking PvP. It's going to be awesome. At least from what I'm seeing in here, it's just like, there's, there's, there's no incentive for teamwork. It's, it really forces that lone wanderer mentality. And I don't, that's okay sometimes, but I don't like if that's going to be everything that devolves into. And if I've learned anything from playing any length of time in Xbox live, that's what it's going to devolve into. And see, for me, I would want to play it again. If it was us three say, I wouldn't want to play it. The PVE campaigns together. Let's go. And, you know, we got to hit the sewers. We got to go and, rescue this guy who's there, let's go do it, and then that helps each of us with our base, and then, hey, we've done something tonight and had fun. The idea of just the going into a PvP match just to kill each other and then fight over who gets the final loot, to me, that's... I I hate to use the term, but it it, it strikes me as juvenile. 
And it's just, it, it does. It, it, I really yeah, forget about it. I don't have the patience for that kind of stuff. That, that mission, one of the missions early on, you do in fact go into the sewer and that was when somebody joined me. And what I liked about that is that it showed that at least up to that point, you are seeing a little bit of variety in terms of who you're going up against. Like all of a sudden there's fucking flamethrower dudes. And I was like, where the hell did you guys come from? All right, fine. And so I, somebody joined me at that point and we were, we were going through it and it was fun. It was a well-designed encounter, albeit use some of the tropes that we've seen where it's a wave after wave after wave. And mm-hmm. last one being the strongest and your buddy leaves, of course, but um, I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> You know your name. I hate you, but um, but but it was it was a, still a, a fun encounter, and I did enjoy it. One of the things that another thing that I I did not enjoy was I did not see a single Caucasian dude in a hoodie that was looting or doing something bad. Yep, every single person that I saw that I had to shoot <laughs> was. A hoodie-wearing minority, minority of some kind. Now, you do start the, the game right off the bat with a, I'm going to say, probably Chinese, might have been Japanese, but I do think she was Chinese, maybe Korean, uh, lady, uh, soldier. And uh, and so they start off right, here's a minority kind of thing. But from that point on, it was like every time I'm going up against somebody that I have to kill, they're most definitely not white. And it was like, oh, come on, seriously? All of the hoodie wearing guys have to be black or, or Hispanic or something. So, and then the obvious thing that we joked about before, which is very true, those are some tough motherfucking hoodies. <laughs> like those, <laughs> you need a clip or two to get through that that fabric. <laughs> and initially, I had thought, well, the latest wear, man. We see that in games like Destiny sometimes too, or other shooters. That's just the way it is. But in those games, it makes a little bit more sense because of the the armor that they're wearing, and also you still that, can get if I'm, you can get a headshot on them. You, yeah, yeah, I'm, but if I'm if I'm shooting a fucking alien, I'm a little more inclined to believe that they might have a different physiology. If I'm shooting a human in a goddamn hoodie, I expect it to react like a human in a goddamn hoodie. Yeah, and so like again, and you can get headshots in Destiny, and a headshot will drop them. Here, I'm getting headshots. And they're like staggering. And I'm going, fuck you, drop, buddy. <laughs> I hit you seven times in the skull. You are dead. And then the other thing that I didn't like, which went again towards the HUD display, is that once you start hitting a guy a few times, all of a sudden their body is full of red squares where you would hit them kind of thing. And it just looks weird as shit it's distracting it's ugly as a an aesthetic in a game and and it, it takes you completely out of the the experience you know what i mean cuz all of a sudden the dudes are full of red squares of where you're hitting them it's like well, what the fuck that's just stupid and and it's not just while you're hitting them but afterwards as well it's really really fucked up kind of thing i i would like to see that disappear as well so all of these things add up to why I wouldn't drop the money right away, which it's going to be with the price of games having skyrocketed for us here in Canada because of the currency exchange. There's very, very few games that I'm going to drop a crap load of money on day one. Now I'm going to be waiting till they go on sale, but 
this is something that like it's going to have to be a damn good sale to make up for those things that I really don't like. Because, again, there are things that are, I think, are great. There are a lot of fun and really well done. But there's too many things where you're like, eh, yeah, but mm-hmm. Destiny 2 is right around the proverbial corner kind of thing. And that's going to be fucking awesome if Destiny 1 has taught us anything in terms of the mechanics and what they've learned since they started. So, Yeah, and, and especially with our limited time, too. Let's not also forget that, like... Mm-hmm. We only have so many hours we can devote to game in a week because we adults sometimes. We're adults. Well, there's we only so much time to devote to a shooter game as well. Yeah. So, okay, let's <laughs> I got move on. Story to, to get to. <laughs> let's uh, move on to those dice awards. Are you guys surprised that Fallout Four won Game of the Year? Not at all. Game of the Year, outstanding achievement in game direction. They won a crap load of stuff, so they did really well here. They even won mobile game for Fallout Shelter. Go figure. Yeah, but that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I got I got bored with it. I'm, I know I was unpopular on that one, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I The only reason I stopped playing is because my game got corrupted on me. And that's the only reason I stopped playing. Because up until then, I was enjoying it. I thought it was freaking awesome. I thought it was well done for what it is as well. But yeah, they won a crap load. And also, uh, it was nice to see Ori in the Blind Forest did pretty well out here, too. Won a mm-hmm. crap load of awards and was nominated for, for yet more. So that was awesome, too. Just despite the fact I didn't like it, it was still a fantastic game. Yeah. And then it was nice to see not just nominated Rise of the Tomb Raider, but also win for, like, outstanding achievement in character for Lara Croft and stuff. So that was that was cool, too. I was, yeah, I mean, that was good and all, but, I mean, some of the competition there, I, I, I honestly would have... And maybe it's just, I, I'm, it's hard for me to determine if this is because I loved the game or not, but I would have given that to Max. Out of all the characters on that list, she had the most depth. Well, you say that, but you, uh, you haven't played Rise of the Tomb Raider yet, have you? I've played through some of it, yeah. Oh, you have? Okay, okay. Because I haven't yeah, played it just, yet. I'm, I can't wait for a second. I, <laughs> sorry. I was just going to say, I'm finding myself having a hard time kind of plugging through it, but yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, but I, like for me, like everybody on this list, like Geralt. Okay, fine, Geralt. I can understand. He's he's pretty one dimensional. Hannah Smith. Okay, Evie Fry. She was incredibly one dimensional. But Max, between Max and Laura, I really think Max should have Max should have gotten the nod for that one. I won't disagree with you. I I, I won't disagree. And Witcher Three did win a number of awards as well. Mm-hmm. So, which mm-hmm. is not at all surprising. Are you still actually playing that right now, Vince? Uh, yeah, I'm still barely scratched the surface of it. Oh yeah, you can have a thousand I mean, hours. There's a lot. There's a lot barely scratched. The surface. There, there's there's a lot of game, and I, I I've been splitting my time between a bunch of different games lately. Yeah, well, that's what happens. Now, one of the things that was really cool at these the Dice Awards is that they often have really interesting interviews, and not what you see in at other conferences or awards shows. They they kind of go a little off there was a a good interview with todd howard from bethesda which was more your traditional vein where they talked about not just fallout but um to a certain degree how the games are designed and and things like that as well which i thought was was fairly interesting it's it it wasn't a ton of information that we had not yet heard but it still was an interesting interview to hear as well but the really cool stuff was like the Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro interview was 
priceless. And then there was the Randy Pitchford oh, I don't even and know if you could call it an interview. It was pretty much their two-man act that they just took on the road. It was two dudes <laughs> who like each other's work just shooting the breeze. So, but I, I thought that was great because, again, Guillermo del Toro is very intelligent, very interesting man. Like, his his knowledge of film is impressive. Um, like, follow his Twitter account for no other reason oh than his movie recommendations. The man is incredibly intelligent and has a um, an appreciation of the arts that spans beyond just the traditional, which is obvious from when you look at his work. But, I mean, he recommends, like, illustrated books. He recommends films. He talks about games. It's like really, really quite impressive. And you want to talk about it. I really happy when I've seen or read something he recommends. I was like, all right, you know, it's a gold star (laughs) for me. (laughs) And, and he doesn't hold back either when he's talking, which you, you have to appreciate that as well. That somebody in his position of presumed power that he just will say whatever he has to say kind of thing. So, and then, when you look at this odd pairing of him and Kojima, that they're just bros, you know, <laughs> neither one has English as their first language, and yet they hang out and go do karaoke, which to be a fly on the wall there, that would be awesome. <laughs> and when they're talking about each other's toys, oh, Vince, I talked, I thought of you there. <laughs> when he's saying he has toys that I want. <laughs> <laughs> and it was I again it was it was a really really fun interview. The Randy Pitchford and Pendulet, while annoying at points because Penn can get annoying, was interesting because as much as I like watching magics, magic acts and, and whatnot, it's not something that I've studied. It's not so I don't know any fucking tricks or anything like that. <laughs> but and I didn't even know Randy was an amateur magician kind of thing. But once they started talking about how various elements of a a, a trick are the same kind of elements that go into game design, it really kind of clicks and you're like, no shit, that's actually really true. That's, That's kind of awesome. So when they kind of played through that, now all of a sudden in my head, even though they didn't really point out borderlines in my brain, I'm looking at different quests, different things that happen and whatnot, and you can appreciate how different things that you thought, hey, I chose that. Not really. You were made to choose that kind of thing. It was really quite interesting. So if anybody knows about misdirection, it's Randy Pitchford. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if there was anything more from Dice that you guys wanted to touch on briefly. Yeah, I just really only caught the highlights. I was still kind of foggy when most of it was going on. It's worth watching. It is, especially that mm-hmm. uh, Del Toro and Kojima. I thought it was awesome. Oh, yeah. But, I, I, wa- I watched like bits of it, but you know, it's I think it's almost an hour long. So, yeah, it's going to take a, while. a little bit to get through. Yeah. OK, let's move on to some fallout because in addition to Todd Howard talking about it, they also did kind of talk about the DLC and how much is going to be coming out within reason. They kind of left a lot of speculation there, but also the price going up as well, which <laughs> Not quite sure how yeah. I feel about that. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah. people have been asking, you know, where where's the Fallout DLC? Where's the Fallout DLC? We've we've put in our hundred hours into the main game. We need more. We need more. So uh, Bethesda finally showed off what they have coming down the pipe, and they've got one different release coming up uh, each month for the next three months. So starting in March, we get Automatron, 
Uh, it's a $10 DLC. The mysterious mechanist has unleashed a horde of evil robots into the Commonwealth, including the de- devious Robo Brain. Hunt them down and harvest their parts to build and mod your own custom robot companions. Choose from hundreds of mods, mixing limbs, armor, abilities, and weapons, like the all-new Lightning Chain Gun. <laughs> Even customize their paint schemes and choose their voices. That that's I awesome. mean that's. <laughs> It fits so perfectly with everything they've done with not just the world, but, you know, the settlements and letting you customize your armor and your weapons. Now, OK, here, have a have a robo buddy that's going to be a you know machine of death. It, it's, it does sound admittedly pretty cool. It, it is. And if it's not like Valentine and want to shoot me right away, that'd be even better if I can set its alignment <laughs> to, to either like. <laughs> All right with thieving and killing or goody two shoots and you can, you know, flip a switch. That'd be awesome. This has one setting. I am your master. Yeah, really? So (laughs) (laughs) I am your creator. (laughs) But I mean, and this is what we're getting into with the price. Like $10 does sound kind of steep for that, though. Like it's a it's a big addition to the game mechanically, but how much content is there really so i mean and it's it's what we're seeing with a lot of this like ten dollars on its own yeah i'm not completely against that but as things start adding up with more and more that they're announcing like in april the wasteland workshop design and set cages to capture live creatures from raiders to death claws tame them or have them face off in battle (laughs) even against your fellow settlers I want, I mean, yes, Deathclaw. <laughs> Screw that, I'm taming Raiders. fucking awesome. <laughs> but I mean, that one's $5. And it's it's basically just a settlement, a little enhancement. But then the big one is coming up in May. Far Harbor is $25. A new case from Valentine's Detective Agency leads you on a search for a young woman and a secret colony of synths. Travel off the coast of Maine to the mysterious island of Far Harbor, where higher levels of radiation have created a more feral world. Navigate through the growing conflict between the synths, the children of Adam, and the local townspeople. Will you work towards bringing peace to Far Harbor, and at what cost? Far Harbor features the largest landmass for an add-on that we've ever created, filled with new faction quests, settlements, lethal creatures, and dungeons. Become more powerful with new higher-level armor and weapons. So, I mean, this is... Basically, it's an expansion. It's not even a DLC from the way they describe it. But I mean, we're already looking at, you know, $40 worth of content. And, you know, they're like, okay, well, the season pass was only $30. Was because on March 1st, they decided, well, we've added so much more content to the game than we were expecting that we're going to now increase the season pass from $30 to $50. And I'm like, it, it, you can't have it both ways. Like if you're asking the fans to purchase the season pass for content unseen and they're taking that chance, you can't then go, well, you know what? It, there's more content than we thought coming. So now we're going to change it. You, you can't. It, it seems like they're trying to play both sides and it, it I don't like it at all. Well, I question it a little bit, too, because the uh, the Far Harbor stuff is I'm really curious because there was a whole big debacle about a month ago where people started sifting through game files because obviously they're bored. They've been playing this for hundreds of hours and they got Mm -hmm. nothing else to do. And all of those missing assets or those assets that were already enabled in the game, all of the the aquatic races, uh, the spear guns, uh, there's a whole bunch of audio files and, uh, and things like that for NPCs that didn't exist already. So there's... 
and I've been kind of catching little glimmers of this as they were announcing this. People are starting to question whether or not this is actually something that they're building from scratch or something they're just turning on. And if it's just something they're turning on, that's really fucking shitty. If it's something that they're actually putting work into, I can kind of understand it. But I'm wondering because there's still those um, the ghoul whale. There's a whole bunch of references from NPCs in the game now that they didn't remove to the ghoul whale. Um, there's also art assets already in the game for that. So I'm wondering if that's going to be part of it, because, I mean, if you're going to an island off in the harbor, way off in the harbor or way up crossing the water there, and there's going to be a whole new feral life, a ghoul whale seems like that's going to be something that's going to be there. So I'm kind of interested in I'm interested in seeing how that's going to play out. And I, I don't want it to be the case where they're doing dirty, underhanded, shitty things because I love Fallout and I love Bethesda. I just I'm, I'm really kind of curious. See, I don't I mean, we mind see this with every game with yeah. DLC, though, where yeah. I mean, there there has to be some assets, at least you know, placeholders for them in the main game to make it. Uh, yeah, I can. I can counter this transition. Real- so we we don't know. You know, how much of this is new assets, how much of it is just, you know, stuff that's there. We we don't know how much actual work they've done on this. The other yeah, thing, no, too, I'll is when you the, yeah, but look at Fallout. Yeah, honestly, we I don't know how many hours you put in, Joe, but I've put in well over 100 hours. And because of all of the hype now with the expansion and everything and somebody was talking about mods that got me excited, I created another goddamn character so that I can dick around and try a completely different build and see how that plays so just to kind of mess around. So, sure. like, I feel that even if some of those assets, even if a number of them are on there just to prep for this DLC, I'm all right with that because, I mean, it's easy for me to say I got my money's worth because it didn't cost me <laughs> <laughs> but, but even if I had paid for it, once again, thanks, guys. Uh, I think that it would have been worth what I got from it. So I'm, I'm not I'm, too concerned I'm not with that. that the, the, for me, the I'm dick move is raising it. the price. To me, that is the that dick is, move. That is also a dick move, yes. I, I think that's the dick move because that is very much you're asking someone to have faith in you the developer and to support you the developer and the whole point of that season pass is hey thanks for supporting us we're going to now give you a crap load of good stuff throughout the year and to make it worthwhile so you don't feel like you got cheated this idea of well we're giving you more than what you should actually be getting so we're going to charge you more to me that is a massive massive dick move now that being said I, I gotta come out and say that we were talking, Joe and I were talking about it too, kind of thing. And because I didn't pay for the game, because there is a lot coming out for this, and before the price change, I did say, ah, fuck it, and I did buy it. Because mm-hmm. I am enjoying my time in that world. Even though up until a few days ago, I hadn't played for quite a while, I still pull up Diamond City Radio on YouTube and listen to it while I'm working because. I still enjoy that setting and what it represents in the game. So, again, I don't mind even the, the that DLC, even at that price, it, it, it would have to be really, really trimmed down for me to go, wow, that was like really way overpriced. Because if it's, if it's big enough and it offers enough, then we got to think of it more as expansion and not DLC. So that's, that's not bad for me. Sure. It's just one of those things like they didn't have this plan 
in place. Like they didn't know how much content they were going to have post release. They didn't have their ideas of like there there was no outline going into it. It was just like, ah, you know, 30 bucks worth of content. That sounds about right. Like how much content did they release for Fallout 3? I there there was what three full DLCs, I think, plus, you know, a number of smaller ones. Like they had to have at least had a feeling that I mean where they were going and how much like they had to have started working on a lot of this stuff before the season pass came out. So it it seems really weird to me. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm not, not disagreeing. Again, I to me it is a massive dick move. I I really and there's going to be a lot of people who defend it saying, "Yeah, but it's a lot of work and the developers need to get paid." Yes, but those rules or, you know, don't apply to the season pass. It applies to the game and things like that, but the season that season pass again is you're asking your 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 supporters to have faith in you that you know you'll give them stuff throughout the year, and sometimes, often, we get fucked in those season mm-hmm. passes. So if we're giving you money for a season pass, then we really want to support you. So to turn that around and say, "Yeah, we're going to charge more now," which I, I fine. I, I I gotta respect that they didn't try to go back and retroactively, you know, try to charge people more somehow by not putting everything into the existing season pass. And if you want the enhanced season pass, you got to pay even more. Right. I'm glad they didn't do that dick move, although that would have caused an uproar. Whoa, that would have been horrible. But but it still is. It still is a dick move. It's it's I got no respect for that. Moving on. Did you guys see that Bioshock <laughs> settlement mod? Did you see that? Yeah, I looked at the v- fucking yeah. nuts. <laughs> that is crazy. I I was impressed. Joe, Who has you know this that? much time? Like, what does this person do for a living? <laughs> Who cares? Make mods. That was fucking. I, awesome. I I get it. I mean that that's what they have fun with. I mean I'm all for it. But Jesus, I thought <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Awesome. Again, talk about getting your money's worth from a game. This is something mm-hmm. that you have I mean, fun with and you can do this. Our dumbasses just played the game and did the story. This guy went, I don't care about your stupid game. I'm going to make my own. <laughs> Actually, it's a woman. But uh, yeah. No, well, even better. I think it's fucking awesome. I, I thought it was gorgeous. Anyways, okay. Let's move on to a title that we're all excited for as well. The new Walking Dead game that is dropping this week, is it not? Joe, this week? I think it's Friday, yeah. Yeah, soon. So go ahead. So it... it yeah, it's it, it's uh, the Walking Dead uh, Michonne. I can never pronounce her name. Yeah, it's Michonne. I'm sorry, Michonne. Uh, it will be uh, February 26th of this year, and uh, it's going to be a mini series, a three part mini series uh, that's going to be releasing in the Telltale style games. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because she's one of those characters that's if you're a fan of the comics or a fan of the TV show, you'll like her. She's just she's just she's balls cool, man. She's just awesome. Uh, but the story is going to explore the period uh, where she leaves the group uh, and her katana behind, which I think is always kind of interesting, to deal with stuff from her past. Um, and the whole idea is we're going to figure this is they're flushing out what happened to her during that time. Uh, so we're actually going to get to play through uh, what she does. And the first episode is called Into Deep, uh, and it's going to be uh, Michonne above aboard the uh, a ship called the Companion. Uh, sailing through looking for survivors off the coast of Chesapeake Bay. 
uh, where they come across a radio signal calling for help, and it draws them to a horrific massacre. And uh, yeah, so now you, as Michonne, have to help basically get a floating survivor's colony uh, to safety. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. It's going to be one of those interesting situations where, for me, there's not enough zombies in water. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, um, but it's one of those things where people always say, oh, you know, zombies, I'll just get on a boat and go out there. And then when I die, whatever. But I can at least live on my boat for X amount of time. Yeah, I'm not so sure that's going to work out so well. And I'm very interested to see how that goes out. But I'm really excited for this. Like, I am genuinely excited for this to come out. For me, it's one of those things, as much as I love Telltale and everything they put out, and I'm sure the game is going to be very interesting. It It's the same reason I still haven't played season two. Like, the franchise as a whole has really lost me because the show sucks. The comic has been terrible for the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. it, it's... It's just really hard. Like, even though, you know, like this one aspect of the franchise is good, I'd rather spend my time elsewhere. I I can appreciate what you're saying. Definitely. Um, That said, however, there were still a lot of moments in season two that I did enjoy. Oh, I'm sure. It's just a matter of building up my my motivation to actually do it. Yeah. And this is an interesting character. What I like about this is that it shows how much influence Telltale has that they're able to tell this this origin story kind of thing for an insanely popular character. And mm-hmm. it's the game that you can find that out in, not the TV show, not in a, not the, uh, comics. the comic and things like that. No, it's going to appear in, in the game. I, that, that says a lot for the influence that Telltale has. And they've earned it. Exactly, exactly. I and because this is shorter as well than the like the full mm-hmm. seasons kind of thing, I'm I'm with Joe with this one. I am actually really looking forward to it. And because of how season two ended and how it ramped up kind of thing and 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 how I felt towards the end of playing it, it reminded me of everything that Telltale does really well with these IPs. So I trust me, I get exactly what you're saying. Because hell, I'm the one that recently tried to read another comic and that didn't fare well. <laughs> and so I get it, but it's still this is I'm actually excited to play this title. Well, and then you, to like the other thing too is the price point too. It's only 15 bucks yeah. and that doesn't sound mm-hmm. I mean that's standard Telltale pricing $5 per episode, but $15 I'm more likely to make a leap like that and I have a lot of faith in Telltale. I really honestly do. You're still looking at on average an hour an hour and a half for each episode kind of thing. That's that's worth the money. That's that's definitely yeah, worth it. I would the agree. Money. Yeah. It's as much content some companies charge you $60 for. Yeah. We're looking at you the order. <laughs> this is you know me what? pointing out. I, quick sidebar on that because I saw the order was uh, up for a couple of dice awards too. Surprisingly, um, it was one of those things where I found a collector's edition of the order. Really, and I still didn't buy it. I told you, if the price is low, it's actually it, it is worth it. It still wasn't that low. They wanted they still wanted like fifty dollars. Oh no 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 definitely not. But yeah. I had told you before a while back it was on sale for ten bucks 
for 10 bucks in my opinion it's almost a mandatory game to play for the ps4 it's just it, the gameplay is solid the shooting is solid in it the the all the different weapons everything that you do the people that you interact with and the look of it it is really i loved that game i really really did it's just sadly really short really short <laughs> if it wasn't for that if it was a, a much longer game, oh my god, I could get lost in that game forever. It was it was that good. So if you ever see it for ten bucks, I can't stress this enough. If you have ten bucks, buy it, play it. You you will not be disappointed. Okay, when let's talk cheap, about. Oh, I will. Yeah, let's talk about some XCOM too, because I know that you've put in a few hours into Advance. Now, what are your initial thoughts? Few. It's everything that made Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within great, but very refined i mean there's still some balance issues here and there but i mean it's it's just so much more it's it's exactly what a sequel should be take everything that worked keep it and make everything around it better and more interesting like the story it just the 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 switch of now you're the rebellion if you will against the occupying force of the aliens gives everything so much more tension like i in Enemy Unknown, if you could make it through the first two months of the game, you'd basically won. And from there, it was just all academic of, you know, okay, if you could survive those first few missions where you don't have a lot of resources and, you know, don't lose too much during that, that early period. Once you hit the, the early mid-game, it's, you could easily coast through. The farther I get into XCOM 2, the less safe I feel. And it's... A lot of that is better enemy balance. There's They keep throwing new stuff at you, but there's so much to do and so much to balance. You know, you have to keep advancing your tech. You have to keep striking the enemy before the, you know, they can complete their, their objectives, uh, defending your own objectives. Uh, there, there's, I'm at the point now where I don't want to say it's overwhelming because it's not, but I'm having to sit there and tactically think what is the best way to spend my material resources and my time resources because you can't do everything you have to prioritize and really have a plan going in like i on my first playthrough i scrapped it after i want to say a month and a half of in-game time just because i i made too many errors on the actual missions had a lot of bad luck and it was just unrecoverable uh my surviving soldiers weren't high ranked enough to deal with the enemies. I didn't have enough resources to, to upgrade my troops that they could take on the tougher enemies that the game's throws at you. And I created a few custom soldiers. I made uh, a couple soldiers inspired by Alicia. The poor pizza made her first mission. I had a choice of keep her safe and sacrifice another troop or sacrifice the rookie to save the colonel. Poor rookie pizza maid didn't make it out of that alive. <laughs> and then uh, the other character, the sniper I made for her, just got fucked at every possible opportunity. Like, I, I played her perfectly fine. Like, the tactics were fine. Just the enemies were nailing these ridiculous shots. She, she would go on one mission and then be in the infirmary for the next two. And I'd pull <laughs> her back out. And then she'd just get wrecked again. She was shaken. Like, she, she literally, like there's an actual debuff in the game called Shaken, where if, if it's too much, 
then you're actually like your stats are reduced until you oh, can that's go on a successful awesome. mission. That's awesome. Oh, it is actually. Wow, it is. Like they've they've done a lot of. It's like a PTSD kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like you can't just have one crew of soldiers. Like you need backups and probably backups for your backups because uh, you take one shot, you're in the infirmary for a couple weeks. So it, it's much more realistic, of course, of you know, hey, this guy just lost 90% of his HP, he's going to be out for a little while. Yeah. But it, you, you really have to think. You have to keep training up new troops. So, like, the, the characters I created on both playthroughs, none of them were in my initial pool, but they were all recruitable for me, like, immediately. So on my second campaign, which went much better, uh, so far at least, <laughs> you know, I, I was able to, to manage my resources. I got the uh, second tier weapons pretty early on, which have made have been a huge help in the missions. But now I'm starting to wonder if I might have pushed those a little too hard because a lot of the rest of my stuff is starting to lag behind. I, I don't have enough uh, communications capabilities to spread my influence. And I need to get across the continent to stop the aliens. And I'm not doing it because I don't have the resources I need to do it right now. <laughs> But uh, I went on a mission where my I, I didn't have enough to field an entire team. So I had to call up one of my rookies. And one of the cool things that they have is the uh, guerrilla training school lets you take a rookie and train them in a class. So you can at least plan out of, OK, I know I'm going to be down a couple of grenadiers because they all got wrecked on the last couple of missions. So let me train this rookie as a grenadier so he'll be available for the next mission. So I called on the services of old man Zen. <laughs> let me tell you old man zen because you can customize so many things about your characters he's of course from canada (laughs) i gave him like that gives him plus 10 to awesome right there i gave him like this awesome gray woodsman's beard (laughs) he's got a freaking beanie snow cap (laughs) of course he has red and white armor (laughs) and i gave him the most obnoxious french voice i could find that hurts That hurts. And what's great is there's an option for like giving your characters custom biographies. But if you choose not to, like it'll just like randomly generate one or I might even be procedurally generated based on some of the choices you've made. So it's like your backstory of when the aliens invaded, you basically went, fuck this. I don't trust the government. And you went living in the woods of Canada for a decade. Not far off. Living off the land and striking at the aliens when you could. So I brought in old man Zen for one mission and he was a fucking badass. (laughs) (laughs) He got three kills on his first mission. And like because grenadiers in that game are so awesome because you can blow up enemy cover. So (sighs) you did good, Raj. I only needed you for one mission. I probably won't need you again after that because my squad is... uh, coming together quite nicely but and I don't uh, if i ever well need to call if i ever need to call on a miracle <laughs> that is there's awesome. some pissed off french canadian with a bunch of heavy explosives that i have available <laughs> that's awesome but i just everything the game does to never make the player comfortable it just when you think you're getting on a handle on things it's going to throw something new at you and you're going to be screwed and you really have to think on your feet I as successful as the second playthrough is so far, I don't know if it's going to be saving the world successful, but that's what I love because I'm learning more every time through the every time I play the game, I'm learning more. I'm learning more. And it's as much as I talk about how much I hate replaying stuff in games because I don't have time for that shit. I don't mind in a game like this because I don't see it as replaying. 
I see it as a completely different scenario, especially with a lot of the randomization and procedurally generated stuff that uh, they do here in the game. It always feels fresh and it always feels like not just a new playthrough, but a new personal story that I'm embarking on. And it, I'm absolutely hooked. Like, even if I am successful, I'm going to play through it again on a higher difficulty because that's going to make the game completely different. What I like is, and we talked about this before, and this idea of, again, you're making your your personalized characters and whatnot, that they can be around for future playthroughs Oh, I've, as I've well. already uh, saved some of my randomly generated characters, like... Uh, T-Bone and Haywire, they're, they're, they're going to be with me for many, many campaigns to come. Those guys have been all-stars. Because that just makes it that much more awesome. Like, to me, that is one of the biggest drawing features for this game. This idea that whether you, they were randomly generated or you created them, you actually can get attached to them. It's the same as the companions in SWOTOR kind of thing. You can get attached to them and you can bring them out as you need them and whatever. I really, really dig that. And especially for a game like this, which otherwise could be seen as more repetitive, it really makes it feel much more like it's you're taking another shot at it with those same characters, mm-hmm. which, again, it, it's makes like, it awesome. If if I'm in a bad situation, like I, I made a bad move, one of my characters is out of cover... I need this alien dead now. If Gravedigger has an action available, I know I'm good. Right. Like, and that's not mechanical. There's still a significant chance that he's going to miss that shot. But there's the the narrative versus the mechanics. And the game creates such a great narrative that the mechanics are secondary. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Anything else? Uh, not yet. Okay. We'll see. I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Definitely. Speaking of SWOTOR, they did announce the next chapter that's going to be coming out for that, which is following Anarchy and Paradise. And this one is called Disavowed. It's going to be coming out on the 10th of March. And this one is going to see, again, returning companion. This time it's going to be Major Jordan. So this is the commander of Havoc Squad, which is, of course, the commando um, the trooper uh, companion that you get. So it's going to have you going on a covert mission deep behind enemy lines kind of thing. So I like how these chapters are not just bringing back companions, but also tailoring the missions to those mm-hmm. companions. So again, the anarchy in paradise had you with, um, Oh damn it. What's her name? I should have prepped for this. I have her. Calio. And Calio is just this berserk, badass woman <laughs> that is awesome to be around. And so it makes sense that that's what the mission that you're doing with her is just insanity kind of thing that has you questioning just how far you're willing to push for this goal of taking down the emperor. So with this, with the trooper companion, you're it's much more about the tactics and that kind of military aspect. So I'm really looking forward to this one as well. And if you sign up before, I can't remember when it is, but check the SWTOR site anyways, you can get the uh, HK-55 inspired helmet as well, which kind of looks a little weird on humans, but eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I am really hoping that at one point, you get further in this game so we can start talking about this shit. Cause I, if, cause I, I was playing it so hard and then everything came out and I, I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's still the, the, the stuff that's going on with these chapters 
in my opinion, is the best stuff that has come out in SWOTOR since it started. It's that goddamn impressive. It's just so bloody well done. And it's just everything they announced, it makes me want to go that much more because I like the Trooper story. And you know, between the end of the Trooper story and whatever's going on in Knights of the Fallen Empire, Jorgen has seen some shit. Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait for, for that to be filled in. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that because I made a, a, a baby trooper and it was a female um, one. And the, the, the point being that I wanted her to romance him because I didn't do that. So I want to see, okay, what's his story if you romance him kind of thing. And and you get to scratch him behind the ear and all that jazz because he's a kitty. And, uh, and so anyways, I, I didn't get far enough with her to experience all that. So I'm a little... I, I would have liked to have done that before I get to this. And I'm really curious as well because it hasn't happened yet for any of my characters. But I haven't seen yet what happens when you come up to a companion that was yours kind of thing. So when a trooper right. comes up to Jordan, what kind of reception do you get compared to when somebody else does? So I'm I'm really curious how that works out. So anyways, really cool stuff. Looking forward to that. There was a big shakeup with Hearthstone recently as well, too, which we've talked a lot about various TCGs and our, our love of these card games and whatnot. And despite the fact that Hearthstone kind of said, again, it is something that is a far more simple game when compared to, say, a Hex or a Magic the Gathering or whatever, there is still a level of complexity in it and fun. Just it is well done. So it is still a a good fun game to play. I have invested more money in the past than I should have into it buying cards. And what's a little concerning now is when and where I'll be able to use those cards because of the changes that they've implemented. Yeah, that's kind of a Roger and I were talking about this earlier. So the problem with card games, right? Is that eventually you just have a whole bunch of cards. And for some people that's an issue because you don't know what to build. For other people, it's not, and they just want to collect everything. All of okay, because uh, you know you can be like Roger and want to bury yes. yourself in cards. Order. So for Hearthstone, they're coming against a very classic CCG problem. They want to keep making more cards, but as a result of making new sets and releasing new mechanics and things of that nature, how do you keep everything balanced? Uh, it's really hard to do, and in fact, in most cases, you just flat out can't uh so what they're doing is they're introducing what they're calling standard and wild versions of the game now standard is a term you may have been familiar with if you've ever played magic the gathering uh standard is going to be decks built solely from a pool of cards that were released in the current and previous calendar year along with a base set of common cards that will always be available to you This is very similar to the block style of play that Magic the Gathering does right now for their version of standard, as well as having a base set of cards. Uh, They used to have like the the whatever year it was, that was the name of the set. So it would be like Magic 10 or whatever. And it was kind of one of those things where you built it off of those. And that was your standard competitive stuff for current play. Uh, So the thought behind this is that standard will help make for more dynamic gameplay. It will allow them to balance the metagame around the current releases. Um, it's going to have a select set of cards make each new card have more impact. Uh, the developers will have more freedom to design exciting cards and mechanics, which I can't disagree with that. Uh, it, let, it let players jump in faster without having to collect as many cards. 
and uh, Standard will only be available as a format for friendly challenges, ranked play, and casual play, so it still won't affect Arena, Solo, or Adventures. Arena, Solo, and Adventures will continue to be Wild Play, which will allow you to use any card from any set, period. It's an interesting predicament to be in. Now, one thing that Hearthstone has that most CCTs don't have is you can still dust your cards. You can take old cards, like if you're one of those players that only wants to play standard, instead of having to resell your cards and take a loss on it, you can convert them to dust and make new cards. Because of that, I think this is going to be slightly not as bad for for as many players as something like this works for traditional CCGs. But for players like Roger, who has dumped probably, I don't even want to know how much money into this game. Too much. Uh, way too much. It is a bit of a, I don't want to say a slap in the face, but it comes as a shock, right? Um, this is something that they originally, and if I remember correctly, when they first re- revealed Hearthstone, said they were never going to do. Yeah, they should have never said never. For me personally, I, I mean, I from my style of play, I've put exactly zero dollars into this game. I'm okay with this. Because all my old shit that I can't use anymore, I'll just dust and make new cards. See, and that's the big difference right there. And and you can still be attached to cards that you got uh, using in-game gold and things like that that you've earned. I, I, it's not to say that you, you can't, because obviously we all have kind of thing. You still, you open up a pack and you have a, an incredibly rare card... Mm-hmm. That's friggin' awesome. I don't care if I got it from winning, you know, 10, 20, whatever games or finishing quests or if I actually plop down hard-earned money kind of thing. But there is the collector aspect, obviously, to a collectible card game wherein if you did put down money, which I, I have, I there's a lot of of games that I will not buy because I know that, you know, I probably won't put enough hours into it or quite likely will never finish. (laughs) If I ever touch it, look at my steam library, but I know (laughs) that card games, I play them and I also see it as a means of supporting them. Now, Blizzard doesn't need my money, obviously, but if I'm playing a game that they put out for free, that is insanely well polished and is still fun to play. I don't mind dropping some money on it to buy some cards. Now, granted, I haven't for many months now, especially since we've been watching our money more lately. I have not. But when that wasn't as much a concern, I did drop quite a few periodically just to have fun and open. And you get these sales on 50 packs, and it's like, you know what? Sure, why not? It's, again, I'll, I'll help support them. It's, it's less than if I had to buy the game brand new, and... I have the fun of opening 50 packs, which is fucking fun. <laughs> opening 50 packs of cards is orgasmic, people, okay? <laughs> Simple as that is so much goddamn fun. And uh, and I've done that. And so now I won't be able to use a lot of those cards in different encounters and stuff. And that is horrible. That is horrible because that card or those cards that you managed to score that were awesome that you love playing i mean the thing that some people don't get about card games is that you will and this is especially true if anybody has ever collected 
actual trading card games. I mean, before there were TCDs or, or CCDs, there was the, the TCDs where you went to the card store. You can still do that, but there's less of that going around than before. And you'd buy the cards. And, I mean, you will buy pack after pack after pack in the hopes of getting one goddamn card that you really want. The thing is, is that you will put that bastard in your deck. You might never pull it out. You might never actually be able to play it or you'll get it in your hand, but not be able to play it and or or you'll play it and it's immediately destroyed. And it's just those rare, beautiful moments where it works and it comes together. And it's just this glorious moment where you actually put your arms out in that rocky cheer that make it worthwhile kind of thing. And again, for people who don't have that addictive kind of Pokemon must collect them all mentality, (laughs) you won't get it. But if you do, then you know what I'm talking about. And so a lot of the cards that I I worked hard with either completing quests, doing whatever, or buying some to try to get specific ones that I really kind of wanted or whatever. I've put them in decks and I still haven't been able to play the son of a bitches for whatever reason. So the part of what keeps you going is that idea that I'll get to play this. It'll be fun whenever it happens kind of thing. But now that's gone. And we were talking about it again on aim. And I was saying how, if you look at a game, say like hex, where because of the clear delineation between PvP and PvE, and because there is so much PvE, they can say, okay, these cards here, guess what? You're only going to be able to use them in PvE because they're too powerful. And going forward, as they bring out yet more decks and whatnot, more sets, I should say, I'm quite certain that certain ones will be shuffled off from PvP and say, okay, now you can only use these in PvP. But there's so much PVE that I'm all right with that. So there's also that's a difference where it works. Hex. But I mean, you got to also look at it this way too, right? And this is this is a distinction. Blizzard is new to the card game. Cryptozoic, the, the company that brought us Hex now, yeah. was originally responsible for the World of Warcraft TCG. They have years and years and years of understanding how collectible card games work and how to balance them, which is what makes Hex so successful, at least in my opinion, from a gameplay standpoint, because they understand basically the root of what the game is. Blizzard's still finding that sweet spot. I'm not saying that they don't play those games. They do. I mean, there's pictures of Blizzard employees from the first founding when they were making their very first games sitting around playing Magic the Gathering on milk crates, essentially. And um, they uh, definitely understand uh, how to play the game, but it's still new territory as far as monetizing and balancing is concerned. And I think that this is going to be one of those side effects, right? They're going to see how this plays out. And it's going to be one of those things where they're going to see, did this do what we needed to do? How do we adjust this? How do we tweak this? What did it have an actual impact that we think it did? And there's a lot of feeling out that's going to happen. And, you know, and to be honest, sir, I've seen a lot of people freaking out about the standard standard mode thing. Uh, and I don't mean just like you're approaching it logically. And I, and I will say that uh, not very lightly. You are being very logical and even keel about this, Roger. I will give you a lot of credit for that. Because I know how much you love card games, but I've seen some people lose their shit over this. Like, well, uh, yeah, I'm being, I'm being logical, fixed. but I will point blank say I'm not likely to give them real money now. Sure, maybe ever. 
because if this is what I can expect going forward for my real dollars, I'm I'm just not going to bother. I forget about it. So and, and that's and that's good and that's a, that's a valid opinion for you. Yes. And like when I look at it, I especially because Blizzard, Blizzard is Blizzard. They're they're so high profile that they know they can't take a lot of risks because no matter what they do, they they could make mm-hmm. the the most inconsequential change ever, and they're going to get ridiculous amounts of backlash. Whereas Cryptozoic, they they have a lot more freedom. If and you know if they add you know another five expansions worth of cards, which you know hopefully they will in time, and they know it's going to change the balance. I feel Cryptozoic would have no problem going to some of those now unbalanced cards and going, you know what? We're just going to patch those cards. We're going to change the way they work because it's going to be what's best for the game long term. Like, you know, no matter what any company does, it's going to upset some people. But it's one of those things where Blizzard is taking the least destructive path to maintaining their balance. Whereas I think a company like Cryptozoic would have much, much less problem going, you know what? This game is going to work. It's going to work well for everyone. And, you know, if we have to make a sweeping change to your one favorite super rare card, we're going to do it because it's going to make the other 10,000 cards in the game work better. And it, well, fuck it. Have a 2020 indestructible. Ha! Exactly. Like it's so, so, so many cards that are already overpowered to begin with. Like it, it it's just it, it's going to be interesting to see how Cryptozoic handles this exact same problem in the coming years because they're, they're releasing packs uh, not quite as much as uh, blizzard is blizzard's been cranking out cards for her stone because of course they are whereas cryptozoic is spending a lot of time making you know the rest of their game and just putting out card packs you know as they're ready as they're balanced but uh, it's going to be pretty fun reassessing this discussion in a year or two and seeing what's happened yeah yeah okay uh let's move on because we are getting a little tight on time here one of the interesting videos that i saw last week was where they were talking about the voice actors for the masters of orion remake that is coming out and i don't know about you guys but i was pretty impressed dude cat cressida mark hamill alan tudyk michael dorn just off the top of my head from that list come on yeah ridiculous amount of talent going into there. And the fact that this is an RTS getting this much amount of voice work. It's, it's the glory days of RTS all over again. Super excited for that. Yeah. The game looks interesting as well, too. Not just the talent, but hearing them talk, like if they're not, you know, fans of the genre or the originals themselves, they're at least aware of the weight uh, and the magnitude that, of the legacy they're carrying. When you see any of them talk about this game, they have nothing but respect for it. And like, I look at the game and it doesn't look like my particular thing, but I mean, Q almost talked me into buying it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Just based on him talking about his character. Yeah. And and for those of you that don't know, like masters of Orion, the original one, uh, whereas we like to affectionately call it in college moo, uh, was an RTS game that was released in uh, 1993 that was ridiculous. You had 10 races and your entire goal was to dominate the galaxy, but each race had its own unique feel. It had its own unique goals uh, and it combined stuff like Civ with RTS stuff. Like there was diplomacy and war. Like you could, you know, come across a neutral planet and go, hey, you should just kind of join our fold and just do what we say or you know what? Screw you. I'm going to nuke you from orbit. That's how this is going to work. 
And it was one of those games that, like, for the time frame, that was unprecedented. Ten distinct races that you could play as in this game with very different play styles in 1993. Huge, huge deal. And they're doing it again. They're bringing it back. Every single race has a very specific feel to it. I mean, you have the collector's edition race, the Terrans, which are evil humans. Uh, you have the Borathi, which are like space bear people. Come on, space bear people. <laughs> you have your standard humans. Uh, you have your Alkari, which are like bird people. Uh, you have the Sakara, which are your evil warlike lizard people. The Mershan, which are cats. Uh, Darlocks, who are shadow aliens that kind of have weird suits that you can't really see their faces. Uh, you have Cylons, which are the traditional kind of gray aliens that you see from oh UFO sightings. And the, the ship that you start in happens to be a UFO. Go figure. Uh, Clacon, bug people. Uh, silicoids, which are like mineral people. And then you have Mechlars, which are sentient robots. And each one has a distinct backstory. Each one has a distinct motivation. And each one has a distinct story that will be different for the playthroughs, which means not only do you get to pick a race and go through your first time, the replayability is going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, that too is coming out on the 26th of February, and it's actually not that expensive, and it really does look goddamn awesome. So if you're on the fence about it, yeah, definitely looks good. Give it a shot. Uh, lastly, one little bit of news. The information was leaked for the HTC Vive. <laughs> if we thought it was going to be even remotely comparable to the Rift, or maybe hopefully a little less, fuck you. <laughs> 200 bucks more instead. Sure, you're getting more in terms of hardware and whatnot, but 800 US, which equates to 1100 Canadian, and that's not even your shipping and handling or your taxes or for us customs to get it across the border. <sighs> Sadly, not going to happen. Yeah, that's Morpheus. Yeah, that, I'm getting the Sony PSVR. <laughs> that, that's already a <laughs> foregone conclusion. <laughs> Rumor has it 299, which again could be more. Yeah, here. it's at the point where you could buy a PS4 and the VR. <laughs> yeah. For, for less this, than one yeah. of these headsets. Yeah. So, and I checked out for this, they were saying initially the Vive was looking like it was going to need a, a 980. Uh, you can get away oh, with I'm a sure 970. Oh, I'm sure it's ridiculous. You can get away with a 970. There's actually Steam released today an app so that you can test your hardware. And it kind of runs through the portal um, demo where the robot comes in and you got to fix it kind of thing. And it checks your hardware and whatnot. I checked mine, which has a a new that I bought on Boxing Day, but it, it is only a 960. And my system comes off as, um, what is it? Passable, essentially, kind of thing. You can, you, you I, can, I should run that just to see how hard it's going to laugh at me. Yeah. so Because I, I haven't upgraded this computer in four years. Well, I hadn't done much. That's why I needed the video card. So, yeah. Again, it's one of those where maybe next year or the year after, by then I'll bought another PC, plus version two will come out of it and it'll mm-hmm. be lower fix some bugs at that point it'll be it'll be better but it is too find bad out, find out which one the market is actually going to support you know what the more i've heard again of the vive over and over again my money's on the vive not on the rift like the the the, the psvr i think is actually going to do well especially when you know how much 
they're doing in terms of games. Like they're gonna, I feel that the VR, the PSVR is actually probably gonna have more games than the other two combined. But just in terms of everything else you can do with the Vive and the moving around, I think that it is probably going to do better than than the Rift. I would like to see it do better than the Rift, actually. So, And that's going to be supposedly shipping early in April. So for those lucky few who have a lot of disposable income. So enjoy it, you bastards. <laughs> On that note, we're going to end the episode. You can, of course, find the show notes at For The Lore. You can also find us on at ForTheLore.com slash live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the sh- for the uh, live stream. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Simonian and myself at Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys next week. We use, you know, the telescopic rakes that you get, Vince, you wouldn't know about this unless you're trying to get Crocs off your roofs. But we here who get snow on our roofs. How many times have I died in your game? None. (laughs) Haven't needed that particular rookie off the bench yet. Oh, and of course, I made you a complete asshole too. You've got like, uh, <laughs> the fancy, the fancy hat, the porn mustache. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I gave you black and white camo so you can be a panda. Fuck it, we're going early. I haven't died yet to initial. Of course, I can't see inside of me. It's all coleslaw inside, actually. <laughs> I fucked that shit. I, I've done that way too often with games that I never finish. I was... I picked up that Nathan Drake collection. Because how can you not for twenty two fifty? I mean, here it sells for 75 bucks. So even with the currency uh, exchange... I paid 30 bucks, so I was like, I'll do it, definitely, for sure, because there's a lot of good things about it, too, it's not just that it's remastered, they fixed all the combat, so it's the same across, and it's mm. et cetera, et cetera, so I'm talking to Tristan about it, and I'm telling him I picked it up in case he wants to play it, and I said, yeah, I definitely want to play it, because I didn't finish all of them, so I want to play it, he says, well, you finished one, and I went, I did, and he went, yeah, I was watching you, remember? And he starts rattling off everything at the end. And I refuse to believe that I finished a game. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. And he says, and you finished two because this happens at the end, and I watched you finish it. And I was like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he says, the only one you didn't finish was three. And I'm like, I need to keep you around more often when I'm playing games so I don't keep playing games I've already played. I'm t- I think about how much money you're going to save. Yeah, really? It's like, this game is great. Alzheimer's going to hit, and I it's will weird, not have It's weird, but I haven't unlocked clue. any achievements, though. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> See how many times I can have you read the exact same comic on CBI? <laughs> that could probably start happening now. Dude, that would <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that be hilarious. Absolutely could. What if it already had? <laughs> well, I mean, after you put down the $75 uh, tier on the Animal Loving Kickstarter. <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> Is that... I hadn't checked that out yet, obviously. And then they were talking about it during the show, and then they were I heard them talking about it again during the podcast. So I'm like, okay, what is this? 
how <laughs> bad can it be? Is it something that I can throw maybe ten bucks to or whatever? And then I looked at it and went, no. <laughs> what, you never no. wanted to date a duck? No, I, uh, I, I draw the line at pigeons. <laughs> no, that was far <laughs> enough. The fact is, is I didn't enjoy the pigeons, so I'm not likely to enjoy these other farm animals either. Uh, if it was graphic farm animal, I'd consider it. <laughs> Just because. That would be awesome. My problem with the game isn't that it goes too far. It's that it doesn't, doesn't go far enough. enough. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Seriously, I need to start writing some of this shit. <laughs> I will write you an automate that will make you... I'm not actually going to say it. But that reminds me. I listened to that audio track you sent. <laughs> oh my god. No, first of all, <laughs> you could take a fire hydrant out of the ground, grab a big ass pole, light pole, and start shoving it down that hole, and it will not make that level of squishy noise. <laughs> There is not enough lube in the world or wetness in the world to produce that much squishing. Oh, fuck? <laughs> there just is oh, jo- not. You gotta send it to Joe now. <laughs> it's like when you're hearing, whoosh, whoosh, and it sounds like kids jumping into a freaking pool, blowing up pool in the backyard. <laughs> it's like, how is this sexy, people? Come on, seriously, how is anybody finding this sexy? Because it wasn't. It was sexy. It was hysterical, is what it was. But yes. <laughs> oh God! So yes, I listened to the part of it, laughed hysterically, fast forwarded, same shit. It realized it's like fourteen minutes long. It's like Jesus. I only kind of went through, and then I'm laughing and go forward, same shit and again and again, and I was like, oh my God. This is what is getting you wet, because I, I swear to God. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, we gotta go. <laughs> Joe, if I remember, I'll send you the link. <laughs> Thanks, I think, maybe? I don't know. It's, it's an experience. Yes. <laughs> You'll be able to say you did it. There's a t-shirt okay, if you then. make it all the way through. <laughs> it's very wet. <laughs> I, I'm actually speechless. I have no clue what the hell is wrong oh, with you. God. I made the mistake of telling <laughs> Alicia and Sushi that these things were not sexy enough or sensual enough the otomes that they were playing stuff like that so she sent me a link and said oh well then listen to this and it's just an audio link of some Japanese dude who can't stay shut the fuck up <laughs> and you're hearing squish 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 and, and, and squeaky bed at the same time and I shit you not it is a level of squishing that it's it's a seal passing through the birthing canal is what it is. Like, <laughs> it is so beyond reality. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. 
And it's like oh, a okay, fucking long thing. I don't know what he's saying, what kind of pillow talk he's talking about, but it goes on. This guy likes the sound of his own voice. <laughs> so it goes on for a while. He's not saying all that to get you off. He's saying that to get himself yeah. off. <laughs> he can't feel anything. It's too wet. <laughs> 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 He's his own hype man. He's got a <laughs> and his. I'm sorry, but his voice. I'm one to talk, okay. But his voice, fucking horrible. Like his voice is just. There's no sexiness in that voice at all. It's just this like weird kind of nasally, <laughs> very abrupt kind of. And you're going like, how is this alluring to anyone? I mean, it's. <laughs> Again, a little defensive there with the all caps pizza. <laughs> but let's be honest. Come on, if if that got you hot and bothered, you need help. You need, oh God, it did. <laughs> it's horrible. It is horrible. How 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 is it amazing? Okay, we're running late, but I don't care because I need to know what part of it specifically is amazing. Hey, you can calm down, drop the caps. It's all right. We're all friends here. It's a safe environment. <laughs> huh? 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 We're absolutely not recording. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> See, you can't tell me because it's stupid. I wonder if I'll get kicked off of Twitch if I stream it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, what? How are you? <laughs> what are you doing? You know what? Strike that. I don't want to know. <laughs> you are going to have your hands full, sir. <laughs> this and is the life I've chosen. Not always in a productive way. <laughs> okay, let's just start. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.